Welcome today. As my dad David shares from his heart, this short biblically-based devotional. David is a speaker, author, former pastor, songwriter, and founding director of Youth with the Mission Montana. He is also the author of the song In Moments Like These. This song appropriately describes this podcast, and I know his message will be encouraging to you. The Bible addresses the subject of sin countless times. Like in the Old Testament, you have Proverbs chapter 6, which talks about seven deadly sins. Most people, Christians and non-Christians alike, are well acquainted with the Ten Commandments given to Moses on Mount Sinai, which plainly state the sins that God didn't want His children to commit. Every book of the New Testament speaks to the subject of sin as well. The Bible also speaks loud and clear about the subject of forgiveness. Jesus shocked even His disciples over the necessity to forgive, even commanding them to forgive a person endless times, 70 times 7, as you most likely recall. But when it comes to the forgiveness of sins, Christians frequently make the mistake of quantifying the measure of forgiveness they extend based on the level of sin they're confronted with. It goes like this. If someone lies to you, then your trust in them is broken. Many people might consider this to be a low-level sin and therefore fairly easy to forgive. If someone steals from you, you feel violated, and this may be a little harder for you to forgive. Then when you have to deal with greater sins, such as rape and murder, the willingness to forgive becomes harder and harder. Now, I haven't struggled a great deal in my life with forgiving others. I'm kind of a water-off-a-duck's-back kind of guy. But then, I've never had to personally deal with the greater sins like rape and murder. I started with this today because I didn't have time last week to tell you one of the most powerful stories of forgiveness I've ever heard. Now remember, it was 1972, and I was sitting on the edge of my seat watching and listening to the then 80-year-old Holocaust survivor, Corey Ten Boom. These were moments that were glued into my memory bank forever. I wanted you to hear it as accurately as possible, so I took these next words directly out of Corey's own writings. They are the words I heard from out of her mouth on that Sunday evening exactly 50 years ago. Here is part two of Corey's amazing message. She said this, It was in a church in Munich, Germany, that I saw him, a balding, heavyset man in a gray overcoat with a brown felt hat clutched between his hands. People were filing out of the basement room where I had just spoken, moving along the rows of wooden chairs to the door at the rear. It was 1947, and I had come from Holland to the defeated nation of Germany with the message that God forgives. It was the truth they needed most to hear in that bitter, bombed-out land, and I gave them my favorite mental picture. Maybe because the sea is never far from a Hollander's mind, I like to think that that's where forgiven sins were thrown. When we confess our sins, I said, God casts them into the deepest ocean, gone forever. The solemn faces stared back at me. 
not quite daring to believe. There were never questions after a talk in Germany in 1947. People just stood up in silence. In silence, they collected their coats and their wraps. And in silence, they left the room. And that's when I saw him, working his way forward against the others. One moment, I saw the overcoat and the brown hat. The next moment, I saw a blue uniform and a visored cap with the skull and crossbones on it. It came back with a rush. A clear picture in my mind of the huge room in the concentration camp with its harsh overhead lights, the pathetic pile of dresses and shoes in the center of the room, the shame of walking naked past this man. I could see my sister's frail form ahead of me, her ribs sharp beneath her parchment skin. Betsy, how thin you were. As you know, Betsy and I had been arrested for concealing Jews in our home during the Nazi occupation of Holland, and this man had been a guard at Ravensbrück concentration camp where we were sent. And now, there he was, standing there in front of me, with his hand thrust out. A fine message, Fraulein. How good it is to know that, as you say, all our sins are at the bottom of the sea. And I, who had spoken so glibly, so casually of forgiveness, fumbled around in my pocketbook rather than looking at him and taking his hand. He would not remember me, of course. How could he remember one prisoner among those thousands of women? But I remembered him, the leather crop, the short horse whip swinging from his belt. It was the first time since my release that I had been face to face with one of my captors, and my blood seemed to freeze. You mentioned Ravensbrook in your talk, he was saying. I was a guard in there. No, he did not remember me. But since that time, he went on, I had become a Christian. I know that God has forgiven me for those cruel things I did there, but I would like to hear it from your lips as well. Fraulein? Again, his hand came out. Will you forgive me? And I stood there. I, whose sins had every day to be forgiven, I could not forgive. Betsy had died in that place. Could he erase her slow, terrible death simply for the asking? It could not have been many seconds that he stood there with his hand held out, but to me it seemed like hours as I wrestled with the most difficult thing I ever had to do. For I had to do it. I knew that. The message that God forgives has a prior condition that we forgive those who have injured us. If you do not forgive men their trespasses, Jesus says, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. And didn't this man and I stand together before an all-seeing God, convicted of the same murder? For I had murdered him with my heart and with my tongue. I knew it not only as a commandment of God to forgive, but I knew it as a daily experience. Since the end of the war, I had run a home in Holland for victims of Nazi brutality. 
those who were able to forgive their former enemies were able also to return to the outside world and rebuild their lives no matter the physical scars. Those who nursed their bitterness remained invalids. It was as simple and as horrible as that. And still I stood there with a coldness clutching my heart. But forgiveness is not an emotion. I knew that too. Forgiveness is an act of the will. And the will can function regardless of the temperature of the heart. Jesus, help me, I prayed silently. I can lift my hand. I can do that much. But Jesus, supply the feeling. And so, woodenly, mechanically, I thrust my hand to the one stretching out to me. And as I did, an incredible thing took place. The current started in my shoulder, raced down my arm, and sprang into our joined hands. And this healing warmth seemed to flood my whole being, bringing tears to my eyes. I forgive you, brother, I cried, with all my heart. For a long moment, we held each other's hands, the former guard and the former prisoner. I had never known God's love so intensely as I did in those moments. I discovered that day that when He tells us to love our enemies, He gives along with the command the very love itself. And in that sanctuary on that Sunday night in 1972, well, there was hardly a dry eye in the place. Even in telling her story again today, it still brings tears to my eyes. What Corey did, my friend, was a hard act of love. Could you do what Corey did? This may be a difficult thing to get a hold of, but Corey, she did the right thing, and she forgave the man, because she knew her Father in Heaven had asked her to. Corey knew her Bible. Similar words to hers that readily come to my mind now are found in the well-known line in the Lord's Prayer, found in both Matthew and Luke. They are, of course, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Was it a cold thing, an unfair thing for her father to ask her to forgive the man? No. It was a very loving thing that he asked of her. Why? Because her Heavenly Father loved her so much that he set up this kingdom appointment and he wanted to heal her of her bitter and broken heart. Corey's Father in Heaven didn't want her to forever remain an invalid, to be forever locked up in an emotional concentration camp. Near the conclusion of her message that night, Corey spoke the now well-known words, words that made me fall hard back into my chair. She said this, To forgive is to set a prisoner free and then discover that the prisoner was you. Dear friend, I went back to God a second time this morning to make sure this was his message for today. When praying again, I saw Corey standing there in her old flowered patterned dress with her arms stretched out as, as if offering a gift of healing to you, one of her beloved brothers and sisters. Her words have been offering you a way to escape from an emotional concentration camp. If there is an abnormal temperature of coldness in your heart, 
I believe Corey would urge you today by an act of your will to forgive. Give the hurts of your past to Jesus, to the one who was able to choose for forgiveness, even when being tortured on a cross. Jesus, his Father, and the Holy Spirit want you to experience the freedom of forgiving and to move forward with a new warm heart filled with peace and power. Almighty, all-loving Trinity, I ask you to help this dear one, this one you love so much. With any lingering images of hurtful moments in their past, help them. Help them to forgive without any measure the one or those who hurt them. And as they forgive, I ask you to give them a change of temperature in their heart. Give them the love itself. Let it be. You've been listening to In Moments Like These with David Graham. If you'd like to contact David or find out more information about In Moments Like These, please visit InMomentsLikeThese.com.